Great to be here with you. My name's Marshall. If I haven't met you, and if I have met you, my name is Marshall. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of hearing from you uh, and gathering together and, and responding to you together. I pray that you would speak to us this afternoon and that we might hear what you have to say to us about worship, about how worship is all about you. It's all about what you ordain and not about what we want to do. And we pray that you'll give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. I met Jack in a park near where we used to live in Kaohsiung in, in Taiwan. After a typical introduction to the conversation where I say ni hao and he said, Whoa, your Chinese is so good. Uh, we, we got on to weightier issues and as we did, he pretty quickly worked out that actually my Chinese wasn't that good. <laughs> we got to talking about religion and uh, I told him I was a Christian and Jack was a Buddhist. And uh, fairly typically for a Taiwanese, uh, Jack said, well, that's great that you have religion and that I have my religion. Great that you're a Christian. Great that I'm a Buddhist. Uh, isn't it good to have religion that makes you a better person? Uh, it doesn't matter, he said, uh, which way you worship God. Even that it doesn't matter what God you worship. It's all about having to choose the way that's right for you. Jack thought the way that many, many uh, Taiwanese think. Um, and Jack wouldn't be out of place in Australia, would he? Because many Aussies think the, so the same way, that we need to choose the way to worship that we, that's right for us. And we could go further even to say that we need to choose the religion or even choose the God that's right to, for us. But the message of Deuteronomy 12 calls us to a radically different approach to worship. The Israelites were not to come to God and respond to him the way that they wanted to, the way that they chose. They were to worship God's way, to worship the way that God chose. He is the one who chooses not only how the Israelites were to worship, but where they were to worship. And as you and I come here and listen to this word in 21st century Australia, we'll see that when we come to know the living God and to worship him, his, um, and, and to worship him his way, we need to live in the way that he ordains and not the way that we choose. Chapter 12 of Deuteronomy is the start of a new section. Uh, you may remember if, you, if you've been here with us through our walk with Deuteronomy, Pete introduced the idea of Deuteronomy basically being about three sections and they're three big long sermons. Uh, basically, it's three big rah-rah talks that Moses gives. That's the technical term for it. Um, three sermons urging the Israelites to choose to listen, to trust God and obey him. Chapter 12 is the start of the second of the three sermons. And this is a long sermon. It goes right from chapter 12 through to chapter 26, 14 chapters. But we'll just be focusing on the first 14 verses of, of that sermon. Uh, we're going to be looking at 
chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. And we'll be looking at three main points that Moses says about worship. One, that the Israelites were not to worship as the nations around them did. Instead of worshipping how they wanted to and how the nations did, number two, they were to worship God's way, the way that God chooses. And the result will be our third point, joy as they gather together in the presence of God. Well, Moses starts off by telling the people that they need to live God's way when they go into the land. Have a look at verse 1 with me. These are the decrees and laws you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess as long as you live in the land. Notice that the way that they are to respond to what God has given them is, sorry, that they are to live in response to what God has given them and that, that it is a response to his kindness and generosity. And the first thing they are told to do is to destroy everything to do with the religions of the nations they're driving out. And that's our first point. They're not to worship their way. Have a look at verse 2. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. In that culture, the idols of the gods, statues and images, representations of their gods, they represented their presence. And the places on the mountains and under every spreading tree, as it describes, were where the people went to worship. The Israelites were to destroy these places and they were to destroy the idols that went along with it. They were to wipe out their names. Their name represented their power and their presence. What made a God a God? The God of Israel, his name in the Hebrew is Yahweh. It's what we translate as Lord in our English Bibles. The God of Israel, his name was Yahweh, was telling the people to completely eradicate these gods and take away their identity and power. And by destroying the places of worship, there was nowhere left for these people to go to, nowhere left for them to pray to or worship them. The aim was to completely wipe out their religion. And here's the why. Here's why they had to do it. It wasn't a case of a more powerful nation going in and beating up the, um, the, the weaker nations. It wasn't a case of cultural genocide. Have a look at verse 4 with me. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. The Israelites were not to imitate the Canaanites who, were the, who they were driving out. They weren't to worship under every spreading tree and on every high mountains. They weren't to make idols, images of God. We saw a few weeks ago, Pete um, showed us that one of the gods of the land was a god called Moloch. Uh, Moloch was a detestable god, is the way that he's described in the Old Testament. And one of the ways that he was worshipped was through child sacrifice, where children were burnt to death uh, on, uh, on Moloch and then sacrificed into the fire. God... Yahweh was not to be worshipped 
in that way. Don't do it their way. You must worship Yahweh, your God, in his way. And that's our second point. You're not to do it their way, but instead we, would, we are to worship. The Israelites were to worship God his way. I want to point out four things that make worship God's way, worshiping God's way different. Um, the first point is that they were to seek out one place of worship. Rather than going anywhere they liked and worshipping under every, on every high place and under every spreading tree, the Israelites were to seek out the one place where God wanted them to go. Have a look at verse 5. But you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. To that place you must go. It was a single place as opposed to the multiplicity of places, places everywhere where the nations worshipped. Yahweh chose this single place. Um, they worshipped where it was convenient under every spreading tree and every high mountain. It was kind of a 7-Eleven of the religious world. Re um, worship, religion, was made into something that suited them, uh, shaped by how they wanted it to be. Not so for Yahweh's people. He was the one who decided what worship would look like. He was the one who decided where they would go and what they were to do there. Which brings us to our second point, point B, the place where Yahweh will choose. Notice that the actual place, we're not actually told the place name, are we? It's just the place God will choose. That's because the, the actual identity of the place, where it was, isn't the important thing. The important thing is that God will choose it. The people don't choose. Yahweh, who is God, their God, he has the right to decide where worship will happen. It's not a matter of convenience or where the people would like to go. Yahweh defines worship because it's all about recognising him as God and that we are not. And that's a word that you and I need to hear as well in 21st century Sydney. Because I think that we can often make worship into something that we choose and define and shape rather into our tastes and convenience rather than letting God choose and tell us what worship is. Maybe we do it only by, coming, by, by only coming to church when it's convenient for us or when we feel like it. Or maybe we decide that we'll opt out of serving at church because, because it's just not convenient, it, it's too hard. Now I recognise that, that there are often good reasons why we need to pull back from ministry. Maybe you're feeling burnt out, maybe there are health issues involved. In which case, yes, it's quite a, a quite reasonable decision to pull back. I'm not talking to you in that situation. I'm talking to, a, to, to those of us who perhaps uh, aren't involved with ministry because it's just too hard. It's not convenient. Having an attitude of worshipping and serving, and the two, two things can't be separated. Serving is worship when it suits me on my terms. Yahweh says... No, we're not to do that. We're to worship him on his terms and not ours. It's about him and not about us. He defines worship, where to worship, how to worship. 
And point C, worship is centred around Yahweh's name. Again, in verse 5, he says that he will put his name in the place he chooses there for his dwelling. We saw earlier that someone's name um, represented their power and their presence. And so Yahweh putting his name at the place of worship means that he will dwell there. He will be present. The Israelites will be able to experience his power as the God of the whole world who rules over not only Israel but the nations as well. When the people went to the place where God called them, they would encounter the living God. They would meet with him. And that's the difference between the way that the Israelites were to worship and the nations around them. Under every spreading tree and every high mountains. Because the nations worshipped idols. They had no name. They had no presence. They weren't really there. They had to be represented by a dead lump of wood or metal because they weren't alive. They couldn't hear or speak or act. They had no presence. They had no name. In Taiwan where we lived, um, just around the corner from us was a temple. And I used to often go past there and I would see people going into the temple. There's a picture of it there. Um, They would go into the temple and worship that way. They would burn incense and bow down and say prayers to the idol, to the God, uh, on their way to work and make a quick visit. But I could tell by the people's faces and and their body languages that though they went through the motions, there was no connection. There was no relationship to the God that they were meant to be praying to. Because they were praying to a God who wasn't living. They were praying to an idol who wasn't present. It had no power. It had no name. They were praying to a lump of metal and plaster. But Yahweh, the living God, had no need to be made into the image of a bull or, uh, or another animal. Because he was the God who was there. He didn't need to be represented by a piece of wood or metal because he is the living God. His presence is real and his name was with the people. Point D. Yahweh summons the people to come to him. Have a look at again at the end of verse 5. So in our uh, NIV translations that, that we use at church, it says that Yahweh will tell, tells the people to, um, he will choose the place and to that place you must go. To the place you must go. But actually, in the original language, it's, it's not a good translation because in the original translation, uh, it says to the place you must come to. Um, and so it's written from, God, from God's perspective. He is dwelling in the place that he chooses. And he summons the people to come. He wants people to come to him to experience his um, blessing as they worship his way. Because God knows that that's what his people need. They need him to come to him. It's an invitation 
to respond to him, to worship him. Not for his own sake, because God somehow needs people to praise him um, to, to kind of give him a bit of a lift, but because God knows that that's what we need. Because the way that we were created as his creatures is to be in right relationship with his creator. And that means to recognise him as God and that we are not. Come and meet with God at the place where he chooses. There's another reason why God wants his people to down tools and to load up the donkey and make the journey to that place. Look at verse 5 again. You are to go to, to seek the place the Lord your God will choose. So you are to, to, to make a deliberate decision to down tools, to journey to that place, to seek it out. They had to make a decision to go and worship. And it would have been an inconvenience. Many, in many cases it would have been a multi-day multi journey, multiple days. Imagine the kids saying every 10 minutes, are we there yet? It wouldn't have been easy. It was an inconvenience. But God wanted the, the act of worship and making sacrifices and offerings to him at that place to be costly. He wanted it to mean something. It wasn't to be an act of convenience like popping into 7-Eleven on the way home from work. As they made that journey, he wanted them to be thinking about what they're doing, to be setting aside that time, to be thinking about that relationship with Yahweh and to know that it's worth making that journey, to seek him out, to seek that place. Worshipping God on his terms means putting ourselves out for him, acknowledging with our lives and with our actions that he is God and we are not, that he has the right to tell me to put him before my agenda and my convenience. That worship, our response to him, should come before my career, before my studies, even before my family, before my kids. If you take that seriously, I wonder what your life would look like. Now at this point we could run the risk of thinking that this worship thing seems to be a real burden. One more thing to feel guilty about because I'm not doing it properly. No, says Moses. Because worship is all about joy, celebration. Because when we worship, we come into the presence of the living God. And that's our third point. Twice in our passage, Moses tells the people that they are to rejoice when they come together to meet with Yahweh. Look at verse 7. There in the presence of the Lord your God, that's when they get to the place he chooses, you and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. And then verse 12. And there rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Notice the first thing we see about rejoicing is that it's in the presence of the Lord, before the Lord. The people are to be glad because God is with them. 
that in, in that culture it was the thing to do to actually take someone out and pay for them for dinner. So I told him up front I was going to pay. We went to Hot Pot. I didn't have a clue how to order Hot Pot. I didn't know what to do. So I said to my friend, look, please order for me. I don't know how to order. I don't know how much to order. Um, so he did. I didn't know what was going on. The food started to arrive. The, the meat started to come. It was mostly meat. Um, it came. And then it came. And then it kept coming. And as the, the plates of beef and, and uh, lamb and seafood turned into mountains of meat, I became more and more worried because I was on a pretty limited budget. Um, I, I realised that um, my finances were going to run out and that there was a very real danger that I wouldn't have enough to pay for this meal. Anyway, uh, come the end of the meal and my worst nightmares were realised. I opened up my wallet, looked at the bill and there was... Um, I didn't have enough. I had to ask my friend to help me foot the bill. Talk about losing face big time. That was a very important lesson for me. This story does have a point, And the point is that my friend realised that when you order food, you order too much. Because eating together and celebrating is about abundance and it's about generosity. Um, particularly in an Asian culture. And God wants his people to celebrate his abundant provision by eating, rejoicing. And we're to do that together with your families, as it says in verse 7, with your sons and daughters, your men servants and maid servants, with the Levites from your towns who have no inheritance. It's a bit like Christmas, isn't it? We've got Christmas coming up and then uh, before we know it, Chinese New Year as well. Uh, and you know what that's like, all the family eating together and uh, more food than anyone can eat. Um, the family uh, enjoying each other's company as well as the food. But notice that, that the family aren't the only ones at the table here because they're always, there's also those who often miss out. The servants, the Levites who have no allotment of their own, which means that they're probably physically poor. Those people on the margins are sitting next to the people at the table as they eat together. It's a picture of joy and abundance and inclusiveness. When we worship God, when we encounter his presence, that will always affect our relationships with each other. Worship is never just a private affair. It's never just about me and God. Of course it is about me and God. But it's also about my relationship with you, with each other. Because the way our Creator designed us was to be in right relationship with Him, which will flow over into right relationships with each other. With family, friends and with those on the margins. So meeting with God on a Sunday afternoon is never just a matter of my individual encounter with God. We come into God's presence together. We encourage each other. When we sing, yes, it involves singing to God, but it also involves singing to each other, encouraging each other, reminding each other of the truths of the gospel. 
And when we come to church, we need to think about how our actions affect our brothers and sisters. If I'm in the habit of walking into church at 4.15, where after church has well and truly started, that impacts those who come at 4 o'clock and are waiting for everyone else to arrive. They feel like they're sitting there on their own in an empty church. And we also need to think about who we talk to at church. See, it's easy to default to talking to our friends, isn't it? To those who we always sit next to, um, uh, uh, those who we're comfortable talking with. But Deuteronomy 12 reminds us that worshipping God involves including those who are on the outside. We ought to come to church asking the question, who are the people at Bankstown who are isolated, who might, might not be fitting in? How can I include them? How can I make them feel comfortable? How can I show them God's love? In Deuteronomy 12, Moses calls the people to Yahweh on his terms. Not like the nations who worshipped wherever they liked, however they liked. Yahweh chooses the place. He chooses the way to worship. He invites people to come into his presence and experience the joy of being in right relationship with him. Since that time of Deuteronomy and Moses speaking to the people, God has revealed himself to us even more fully. He has showed himself to us in the flesh. He has come to dwell with us, not at a place in the promised land, but as a man just like us. And he has showed his love to us in an even greater act of generosity and grace because he gave himself to us and as Kenzie has reminded us already this afternoon he broke his body on a cruel cross for us and before his death while Jesus still walked on earth with us he called us to come just like in Deuteronomy 12 an invitation to come to him to worship Come to him to find life. He said, all who are thirsty, come and I will give you living water. All who are weary, come and I will give you rest. The invitation is for all and it's free. And if we want to know God, if we want to find life, if we want to know the joy of being in the presence of our creator, there's only one way to do that. In Deuteronomy 12, it was to go to a place, the place where God shows. But now Jesus has replaced that place. It's only through him that we can know God. It's only through him that we can worship God his way. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved from our sin and experience the joy of knowing God. In Acts 4, the Apostle Peter was talking to uh, the Jewish leaders and giving an answer as to why these Christians are causing trouble and speaking out about the name of Jesus. And this is what he says. He says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name 
under heaven, given to humankind by which we must be saved. Now Jesus is the one who bears the name of God. His power and his presence are found in him alone. So worshipping God the way God chooses now means two things. Two ways about how we respond to Jesus. One, we need to trust him alone for our salvation. I bring nothing to the table except my sin. I have nothing to offer God. I am not good enough to come to God. Only Jesus' death has made me acceptable to him. We cannot and we must not ever think that we can give God a helping hand by doing some good things in order that we can be saved. And number two, we come to Jesus on his terms and not ours. Because he is King Jesus, Lord of the universe. I cannot and must not think that I can come to him for salvation, but then live however I want. He is either Lord of all or not at all. He cannot be king of my Sundays at church, but not of my Mondays to Saturdays. He cannot be king of my time reading the Bible, but not of my evenings with my family. He cannot be king of the money that I put into the plate on Sundays, but not of my wallet for the rest of the week. Come to Jesus the way that he chooses. Worship him his way. Find life. Forgiveness in him and rejoice as you experience his forgiveness and unconditional love. I'm going to ask the band to come up and play and think about those words. Think about how we worship through Jesus as we sing.